With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for calling Mayor Biskupski's office. We're currently unavailable. Please leave a message and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Thanks and have a great day. At the tone, please record your message. Hello, Madam Mayor. This is the Utah Man podcast. I'm sure you've heard of us. We are calling in... uh, On behalf of Ute fans everywhere, we have some business to take care of. Um, Utah, I'm sure you've heard, has recently been named the 2008 National Football Champions in College Football. So we've got a parade to plan. We would love to get with you. We've got some great ideas as far as what we could do with this. First thing we got to do is all those scooters that are coming around downtown, let's paint them red. We want them crimson red, put some U's on there. Let's celebrate this championship in style. Every bike lane, I think, should be dedicated to the 08 season. We should just paint paint every bike lane up and down Salt Lake. And why not hang up championship banner from City Hall? What's more deserving than that? And this parade needs to go through downtown in honor of downtown Freddie Brown. We've got ideas coming out everywhere. And uh, let's get together. Your people will get together with our people. We'll sit down. We'll have lunch. It's on cam. And we're going to have a good time. So, love, uh, Cam, why don't, you give, why don't you give her our contact info? Yes, Mayor. You can call us back at 801-783-1894. We'd love to talk to you about this championship parade. And, and we've, we've got some float ideas. Um, we're actually waving right now. We're pretty good at it. And our one stipulation is we need our own float. Our own float. And my uh, for my my blazer, I, my left arm is just a tad bit longer than my right. So we'll figure that out. There's details that we'll have to figure out. But we're we're looking forward to meeting with you and uh, go Utes, go Utes, go Utes. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man podcast. On this episode, we're talking with former quarterback Jordan Wynn, breaking down the depth chart and looking ahead to the game against Weber State. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, what's up, my fellow national championship Ute Nation? <laughs> and Scott. Beep. Please leave your voicemail after the tone. <laughs> we are in full championship celebration here. We just called the mayor requesting for the parade to run through downtown Salt Lake. It's a great time to be a Ute fan. This is going to we're going to make it happen, folks. This is going to be a parade. We have 10 years to make up for it in a very short time. There there's no time to waste. We've got to celebrate. We've got to go crazy on this bad boy. We are national champions. Hang banners. I mean, we have not burned any couches in the streets. We have, there's been no streaking. We have got a lot to do. We do need to all head downtown and start turning over cars. <laughs> we did not leave that part on the mayor's voicemail, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in person. Hopefully she gets back to us and we can further this discussion. We'll, we'll keep you all informed. I expect a 10 a.m. meeting at city, city hall tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All reality. Are you guys considering this, uh, a true champion. Of course. We are national champions. I don't Absolutely. Ca- if the NCAA recognizes it, it came from a respected and a legitimate source that was the voted Utah number one. What else is there to talk about? I guess, you, I mean, it is, I'd say it is legitimate. It's a little anticlimactic 10 years <laughs> later, but it's kind of cool just to to be in the record books as a national I think we're the we're the only school in the history of college football that it took 10 years to figure out that we were national <laughs> champions. I do remember that year that I think Whittingham was the only one who voted them number 1 in the polls in the coaches poll in the coaches poll. 
I, I thought that I thought there was uh, one or two more that may have voted the Utah in number one, but yeah, there, I mean there wasn't a ton, but they were the only undefeated team that season. Only they undefeated were. team. I I drove thirty hours straight down to Louisiana to watch that game, and so I feel like I deserve a national championship <laughs> for doing so. Thirty hours both ways uphill. <laughs> What uh, okay? So what uh, what do we expect to see? Do you think when we go into the stadium on Thursday evening, will there be a banner? Will there be any mention of this? What is Utah Athletics going to do with this? I think they have to kind of fill it out. I don't think they're going to jump to any conclusions this early after it was announced. I don't think now, you'll see anything. Now I think the players on that team. Call O.C. Tanner. Let's get some rings made. O.C. Tanner tweeted out I, today I, I that did they see that. did get a contract for rings. They, if anything, the players deserve a national title ring. And there has got to be some... I, I agree. I don't think Utah should go crazy and, you know, make... I think the parade's necessary. <laughs> but outside of the parade... <laughs> You know, don't go too crazy, but they got they got to hang a banner. There's got to be a reference somewhere in the football facility of the 08 National Champions. And heck, a lot of these college recruits, they're going to come in and be like, "Dang, you guys won a national championship? Why? Where was I?" They're not going to know any different. <laughs> recruiting, what's it? What it's going to do for recruiting? Well, we're getting to the point where a lot of them were weren't even born. It's when it all happened. It was only ten years ago, so you know they were they were approaching puberty, probably. <laughs> so no, I I think we take advantage of it, there, but there's got to be something. There's got to be a reference to it somewhere. You don't just uh, you just don't hide. You don't hide your national championships under a bushel. Maybe it'll be on the new expansion. There'll be like a like a ring of fame around the. Enclosed. I think that the South End Zone should be dedicated to the 08 National Championship Utes. There you go. And in Kyle Whittingham's statue that he's going to have one day, <laughs> just a giant ring on that finger. <laughs> and it's pointing to the South. <laughs> Speaking of the South, maybe the ring ceremony should be during the BYU game <laughs> at the end of the season. I, I saw that on Twitter. Kalani, so Kalani can come out and get it during halftime. <laughs> I I I think it. Uh, we got some work to do, but uh, let's put our heads together. We'll we'll make some stuff happen. So it looks like we do have Jordan Wynn on the phone, and that interview is brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Elmer at eight zero one three zero seven four zero four six. So joining us on the line now, a true legend, a true Ute legend, may I say. Former quarterback Jordan Wynn. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're celebrating a 2008 national championship. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Uh, I heard the I heard the news today as well. That's uh, that's quite that's pretty interesting how that all played out. It is, but we'll take it. Oh <laughs> uh, no, no kidding, no doubt for sure. So, Jordan, I think you have a really unique uh, view of Utah and the program. You know, you came in as a freshman uh, when Utah was still a Mountain West team. Uh, when you left, they were in the Pac-12. Uh, you go and coach in Hawaii and Fresno, and and, and you come back into the program uh, with some recruiting aspects, and, and they're more, you know, in-depth in their Pac-12 um, affiliate how have you seen this program kind of change since you were a freshman? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'd be, I'd say it's a, a complete, almost overhaul of of how it was when I was a freshman. I mean, you think about just the roster and the type of guys that they're recruiting. Um, you know, when I came in, it was a lot of guys in similar situations where we might not have been the highest rated guy at our position. Um, but they did a good job back then of recruiting guys that were just hungry and had a chip on their shoulder. I remember coming in with other guys that, you know, might have been told like, Hey, I didn't get this offer from SC because I thought I was an inch too short or a second too fast. And so, um, from that to now, I mean, you look at the guys that you now, they're all four and five star guys and, you know, as big as they can be and as quick as they can be. And 
Um, I mean, I think that's like the most apparent change. And then, you know, you go as, as simple as even just the facility and the money now that's available to the program, being the Pac-12, which is remarkable. Uh, you know, I go up there quite a bit into the new facility, and that place is so impressive. I mean, when we were in the West, we... I mean, our facility was still great. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was nowhere near in comparison to what they have now. And um, yeah, just that trajectory and that growth of the program. That each year, I, it feel, I feel like it just continues with the guys that they recruit and the money that the conference gives them. And that's just it's awesome, really, to see the growth. Kind of along those lines, Jordan. How has Coach Witt evolved as a head coach? You know, I, yeah, I think. Uh, you know, Coach Wade at, at his core, I don't think has changed a whole lot. He's a he's a players coach. Um, I don't know too many head coaches that, as you walk down the hallway, will will stop and say hello and ask how your family's doing individually by name. That was something that I always truly admired about him. Um, you know, from hearing all the legends of how you know how hard he works out and. Uh, I think last year or two years ago, he got voted like, you know, if you were going into a fight, which head coach would you want? Um, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of person and guy he is. And that hasn't changed. I think where he's changed a little bit is, um, just obviously adapting to the game. I think one of the biggest changes that, that he gets and deservedly so a lot of credit for is like the, the rugby punt. I look at that and, you know, he was one of the early ones that adopted that and it led to two, you know, Ray Guy award winners. Um, I think about, you know, just the X's and O's are so different. Um, I mean, even from the time when I played RPOs and, you know, the run pass option stuff, that, that wasn't even really around. And now it seems like everybody that's from a schematic standpoint, I know he's changed, you know, some stuff within the defense and, and, uh, you know, the kind of guys you got to recruit to play in this conference and even just going as all the way down to how he practices. I mean, I've come, you know, when we were in the Mountain West, it was seemed like we were in full pads almost every time at practice. And, and he's kind of backed off a little bit to, to save these guys, which I think is, you know, is, is right. He's doing a good job. And I think that's what makes him so great as a coach is he, you know, he's, he's not stuck in his ways. He's willing to learn and willing to adapt. Give us a little bit of insight. Obviously, you know, you were recruited as a as a high-profile quarterback. Um, kind of take us through what uh, what recruits, maybe even especially at the quarterback position, what are they going through? What is Utah doing specifically? I know you were um, on the staff with recruiting. What is Utah doing in that aspect to go and to, you know, steal guys from from the USC's, the UCLA's of the world, and and really start to make a name for themselves as a member of the Pac-12. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I think it starts with winning. Um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those. It's almost a sort of dichotomy where what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, getting good recruits or winning? How do you win without getting good recruits? How do you get good recruits without winning? And that's I mean that's that's what kind of makes Utah unique is. Like I said, going back to those Mountain West days, the, the kind of guys they were recruiting, I feel like it was it was pretty specific on what they wanted, almost similar to kind of what Boise State still does. Um, and so as you recruit those guys and you start to win as a program, um, you you have a, a seat at the table when you go into a recruit's home. And, you know, he's from Southern California, and, all, you know, UCLA's offered him, and SC's offered him, and Utah's offered him. And the way you get an edge is you can say, okay, look at our body of work. How many wins we've had in the conference. Look at our stability with our head coach. Um, you know, those, those are kind of things that, that attract recruits, especially parents. Um, and then you just look at the big thing for me when I was, when I was looking at Utah is where am I going to play right away? And whether that's your goal or not, I think, Coach Wood has shown he he's willing to play freshman. He's willing to play the best guy. Um, and then you start adding everything else. You start adding in the facilities. Um, you know, if a kid comes on a visit to Utah and then goes on a visit to UCLA, our facilities are gonna are gonna be the same. They're gonna equal each other out. That's not. There's no longer that gap of 
well, this college, this university has a cafeteria and a football facility and a huge weight room and a full training room. And those kinds of things are, are washes now. And so you start getting down to the, to the real reason why we're all going to college is to, is to play football. And so it's, it's where, where am I going to play? And, you know, you look at kids that are rated high and, and, you know, not to shy away from competition, but if, if you're coming in as an 18 year old and you look on the depth chart at USC and you have four or five star recruits ahead of you that are sophomores and juniors, the chances are you're going to have to do something special in, in, in fall camp to get some playing time. If you look at the depth chart at, at Utah, it, again, it, it is becoming made up of guys of that caliber, but it's, it's still not there yet. And so you can look at that roster and say, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit bigger than that guy and faster. Like I have a better chance getting on the field over that guy than the guy who was ranked number one in his position in the country. That's at SC. So I think there's a niche. I think they've done a good job. Um, and, 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 you know, again, that, that's also a credit to the staff. I mean, recruiting is, is getting comfortable as an 18 year old, getting comfortable with guys you're going to coach, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's nice to have a, a, a bunch of uniforms that you're going to wear and, and, and all the cleats and, and, and the facilities, but it's, can I picture myself in on this roster being coached by this staff? So, um, you know, I think in that, in those aspects, Utah's done a good job. Hey, Jordan, kind of looking ahead to Utah's opponent this week in Weber State, when you played and when you were coaching, is it hard to kind of stay focused on a team that is a lower division and not kind of look ahead at, at your next opponent? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure for some guys it is. Um, I, I would say for the majority of the guys it isn't, you know, when, when you go into a, a game like this against Weber state, um, I think the big thing always to look for is you want to start fast. Um, you don't want to get a team, Who's, who, in my opinion, is a pretty good team in Weber State. I don't think this is by any means um, any kind of a, a, an easy win or, or a blowout win coming into it. I, I think this is going to be, you know, it's 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 they're a tough team, um, but you don't want to give them you don't want to give them any belief. So you know, the big thing I remember even thinking as a player when we would go into these games is let's get up on these guys quick. If we can get up fourteen zero, twenty one zero, midway through the second quarter, and go into half with a four, you know, four score lead, chances are we're, we're going to be okay. They're they're going to start to doubt themselves. We're going to continue to get confident, and and the rest is going to play out how you know we all think it's going to play out. So. Um, Obviously, you still got to be mentally locked in. Like I said, the, the second you let them hang in the game, you you open the door for doubt, and you start to give them a wave of confidence, which isn't what you want. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's it's a game that people look over, but it's something that you're definitely thinking about. I mean, you go into the game knowing that you're better than the opponent. Um, but again, it, it's you. I remember always really focusing on like let's let's get out to a really fast start. And Jordan, circling back for a sec on the quarterbacks, um, you were talking about being a highly recruited quarterback, and obviously Jack Tuttle was highly recruited. And the depth chart comes out today, and he's third string. Is, are you surprised at that, or or not? Um, I, I, I'm a little biased towards Jack. I, you know, I was still on the staff when we were recruiting him. Uh, he's a San Diego guy. Got to know his parents. Um, so I obviously want, you know, the best for him. Um, with that being said, I mean, I was there when we were recruiting Jason Shelley as well. And, and he's a good football player and, and super dynamic and super athletic. And I think his throwing ability is overlooked. Um, so it's, it's not a shock. Uh, I, I think, you know, Jack is the highly recruited kid who had, you know, pretty much just pick of the litter where he wanted to go. So anytime, you know, a kid like that comes in and, and doesn't climb the depth chart right away. It's it's hard to it's hard to decide what what to make of it. You know, is it um, again? We're talking about an 18 year old, you know, coming in and playing, and, and you know, maybe he's she's starting to get it and it's starting to slow down. Maybe Jason Shepard went out and just had the, the fall camp of his life, 
and played well and, 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 you know, made it obvious that he was the number two guy. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't up there enough to really watch every practice or anything, but I don't think it's a shock. I think, you know, like I said, the kind of guy that Utah's starting to get is, is this, this position group is evidence of that is, is there's really not a bad, a, a bad guy roster. And that's a good problem to have. Hey, Jordan, when you were a player, it seemed like every year there was a new OC, a new system being installed. How important is it uh, for a quarterback to kind of have the same system, and especially with Tyler Huntley now going his second year under Troy Taylor? Just how important is that to a quarterback? It, it's huge. Uh, I can't state it enough how big it is to have continuity in the scheme. Um, for Tyler and really for the whole offense. Uh, you know, when I, when I was there, we had four coordinators in four years. And so, you know, I remember going up, you know, to the last scrimmage and, and guys saying, Hey man, like, what are we running right now? What do I, what do I do? Um, and, and so that creates as, as a player, when you're thinking, you're not, you're not reacting, you're not using your true athleticism. So anytime, in this case, you know, with Troy Taylor being here in year two, all these guys can now get to the line of scrimmage and they know exactly what they're doing. And now you let their raw athleticism show. And I mean, Tyler's a great, you know, example of that. Everything I've read coming out of camp is he's been early with all of his progressions. He's, he's putting the ball where it needs to be. He's looking confident. And, and I would say a lot of that has to do with having another year in the system. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. Uh, why don't you tell Utah fans, what are you up to nowadays? Yeah, so uh, so I work in um, medical device sales for, for a company called Stryker, um, pretty pretty big company. Um, I work in the endoscopy division, so I sell uh, any equipment if you go in for a knee scope or a shoulder scope. But pretty much anything a surgeon would use in one of those procedures, I, I sell to hospitals. Um, I took that job about a year and three months ago. Um, I, I I recently got married six weeks ago. Got married to uh, oh, congratulations! Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, any any yeah, ba- any baby wins on the way? <laughs> no, no, no baby wins yet. Um, <laughs> we we no gotta baby. keep that. My, my wife and I are. We're we're gonna we like to travel and and get outdoors and so we're gonna hold off on the baseline for for a couple of years. But um, so in twenty years we're yeah. gonna have Jordan Wynn Junior up at the U. Uh, uh, start that, starting that freshman comes true. <laughs> that would be a dream come true. Uh, uh, maybe maybe a a Jordan Wynn Junior on the Utah golf team there might be more. Of a reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh. You know, I love I love football. Don't get me wrong. You know, people are listening with kids. Have your sons play football. Um, there's there's so much to learn from the game outside of outside of the game. Uh, my first love with early on, I always loved golf, and uh, that's you know, if I'm fortunate, whether I have you know sons or daughters, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer them a little bit more towards picking up the the eight iron and, and sticking it on the green, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, any any win up at the U would be a dream come true in the future. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Jordan, before we let you go, we got to get a prediction for you from the game. I know Weber has a couple of your former coaches, even a former OC of yours up there. Do you like the Utes in this one? Yeah, I'd, I like the Utes. Um, you know, I think it'd be a... a a travesty if were to happen where, where, where the, where the youth didn't win. Um, you know, like I said, I think Weaver's a good team though. I think, you know, early on it could be close, um, uh, you know, in, in these types of games though, as, as the game goes on, the athleticism and the size and, and the physicality should start to show. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the youth get it done by, uh, you know, 28 points, 30 points. I think when it's all said and done, you know, uh, we again, Weaver's a great team. I just, you know, you look at the guys they have and, and the guys that you have, and 
we used to have a saying in coaching, it's it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmies and the Joes. And and the youth Jimmies and Joes are a lot better than Weber State's Jimmies and Joes. And that's just, that's the facts of it. Awesome. Jordan, hey, thank you so much for joining with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch with you. No problem. Happy to do it. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. And it's always great talking to former players. And we've had a couple of them now on the podcast. I always love bringing him on. If you don't follow Win on Twitter, his handle is at jwin760. Give him a follow. Just great insight from a former player. Yeah, had a lot of a lot of interesting insights, and it's good just to see a guy who's come through the program still has a lot of pride and uh, respect for the program and the coaches and the time that he had here. So appreciative of Win taking some time and uh, grateful that he's a, a Ute and doing good things out there. So we're recording this on uh, Monday night, and the depth chart was released today for the season. There was a couple of surprises on there. I do have to say, yeah. Can you believe player, it? How did Maddie Golden not be geez. the long snapper? Hey, of course, you go right there because that's course. your that's your breakout player of the year. No, that's my breakout special team player. Of the All year. I have to say is my breakout player Mika Tafua isn't starting. Now, I will say none of my breakout players are on here, but it's going to make it that much more exciting when they take over. <laughs> what? So for- or you just had some bad picks. So- you hear that, Pirtle? <laughs> you hear that, Perryman? They're not bad picks. Perryman might redshirt this year. That would be bad. <laughs> All right, so first initial thoughts from you guys when you first saw the depth chart. I think we all went right to the same place and the quarterback position. Obviously, number one was a given, but there's been a lot of talk. Is it going to be Shelly or is it going to be Tuttle with the backup? I think we all were anticipating that Tuttle's going to be the backup. Um, I was. So a bit of a surprise to me, but I'm interested to see. I mean, Jason Shelly produced really at a high level at Texas, um, in the state of Texas in high school, and uh, put up a ton of prolific numbers. So I'm actually somewhat excited to see him get the second half or get some time against Weber and see what he can do. We know he's athletic. We know he's he's got the ability, but I'm interested to see him in a game situation and see what he can do. So I will say Shelley had a great spring and a great fall. I'm not surprised to see him at the number two. He is undersized for a Division One quarterback at this level. But he, he's really put in a lot of work since last year. And, and frankly, I, I'm, I'm happy for him to get that, that shot. You know, if, if he needs to come in for a series or two for Huntley, I think the, the offense can kind of stay the same because they're, they're similar type players. But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. If Huntley goes down for extended period of time, I think we see Tuttle in there. I mean, what I read into it is that I think. Tuttle is the future after Huntley, and I think they're just trying to save him, preserve him, use a redshirt year so he still has four years left. I he he's the future. I I don't see yeah, it otherwise. But I, I do like the idea of Shelley as the backup for the for the mere reason if Huntley goes down, you bring in a backup who is just like Huntley, who plays the same style, who has the same type of athleticism. And so you really don't change game plans. I mean, if Huntley goes down mid-game, you don't want to have to throw half your playbook out and or your, your you know your game plan and go to Tuttle, who's you know he can run the ball, but he's more of a pocket passer. So in those types of situ- situations, I do think Shelley is a little bit more valuable because he's going to be able to. You're going to be able to call the same plays. Um, the question is going to be, can he execute as well as Huntley? So in the sh- in the short term, I think that's what we'll see. But yeah, I think as you as you mentioned, uh, if if Huntley does go down for two, three, four, five plus games, then you you may see things get reopened up, and Tuttle Tuttle may get the um, the nod at that point. But you know, as highly recruited as Tuttle was, a bit of a surprise that he's third string, but. Credit to, to Jason Shelley for going out there and winning the job and uh, and and proving it. So at the end of the day, that's what you want, regardless of who the guy is. You just want guys to go out there and earn it. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I, I hope we actually get to see all three come Thursday night. So something else that really jumped out to me, Francis Bernard is now in the two deep. 
uh, right behind Chase Hansen. He's only been with the team two weeks now. I I think that just proves a maybe the lack of experience we had at linebacker and B just how talented Bernard is that he comes in two weeks, hasn't played football in a year and he is already making an input uh, on this team. Second thought there is where, what that is. I think he's that good. I mean, I I remember two years ago watching him play against Utah and he was, he was running with receivers down the field and made a heck of an interception uh, he's very athletic, and I th- and he's really talented. At it. it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think maybe it has a little bit to do with the depth at the at the position, but I think it has more to do with his ability to play the position. Yeah, I mean, if you go if you go through just position wise here, and you just look at the two day, th- I mean, there's a lot of good players who are not even listed here, mm-hmm. and uh, deep across the board, the only two concerns that the, the Again, we'll we'll see how big of a concern it really is once uh, once the the ball starts flying. But at left left tackle and at right tackle, the backups are freshmen. And Brayden Daniels uh, is backing up Jackson Barton at left tackle, and uh, Simi Moela is backing up Darren Paulo at the right tackle position. Again, Moela's coming off a, off a mission, so he's not right out of high school, six seven two ninety four. So he definitely has the body for it. Braden Daniels has definitely turned some heads in fall camp. Really, from everything that I understand, was not expected to really uh, um, not not be on the two deep, but maybe not even be in the rotation. And he he earned himself the backup position at left tackle, which is about as important as it gets on the offensive line. So hopefully, it just means those guys are that good and they've earned that that opportunity. But having two young guys backing up the tackle positions. Well, Scott, I think that's a really good point. Um, I do know that Whittingham did kind of address that today and said that Nick Ford would be a possibility um, to go out to tackle um, on either side if something were to happen. But you bring up a a great point, though, because there are a lot of young guys that are on the two deep, something that I don't think I can remember seeing a depth chart and having so many young guys that are making, expecting to make impacts this season. So as you as you look over uh, this depth chart, you look at the defense. There are four fresh, or excuse me, four seniors on the depth chart. Four. That bodes well for the. That bo- bodes I mean, well for the future. as deep as we are, as experienced as we are, yet you look at the youth, and even offensively, I mean, you, you look th- look through the wide receiver position. There's no seniors. Other than Jamison Field, but again, you know, probably he's not even going to get much of an opportunity, even though he right now is listed as a, as a backup. I don't suspect we're going to see a ton of him throughout the season, but I mean, the depth on this team is 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 amazing. And again, I mean, we've got a true freshman snapper. Now he's just a short snapper for now, but I uh, there we go going back. I'm going to put my money on it. He'll 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 wrap up long snapping duties by by uh, midseason. And since we're on the topic of special teams, I do like the idea that Matt Gay is kicking off. Well, I don't know why, I just do. If he can kick 60-plus yard field goals, why not? Well, it's interesting, right? Because Mitch Bosnowski was taking care of that last season. He was. And they're but, both back, and then they, they switched them. So that, that, that is interesting. But I think the leg that Matt has, and it probably has a lot to do with his NFL aspirations, you know, being able to prove that he can kick the ball. He, you know, he can not only kick field goals, but he can do kickoffs. Um, at the next level, I think will prove a lot for his uh, opportunity to to make a make a team uh, come next season. But uh, I'm just I'm just excited to see him unleash uh, some of those kicks. We're gonna see a 50 plus yarder on Thursday night. I bet you. I was. Ha- I hope it's not on the first drive. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to see Britton Covey um, on kickoff and punt return. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun having him back on the team watching him doing the things that he did his freshman year. Yeah, he's coming off a mission, but he says he he feels stronger. He he feels faster than he was as a freshman. Everyone says he hasn't missed a beat. He's still as fast and as quick as he was before. All right, well, you know that fans are craving football when the depth chart gets released and it's blowing up Twitter all over today. So it was always fun um, to get that as the season kicks off and really interact with people on it. All right, it's time for our new segment of the season. If you didn't hear our last episode, 
We're doing Pac-12 and 12. So we're going to cover the Pac-12 in under 12 minutes. And again, this is hard for Scott because he's quite the talker. <laughs> but we're going to hold him to it. We got a muzzle. We purchased a Utah Man <laughs> podcast muzzle this week. You hear that, Mayor? Look at this. And the Pac-12 and 12 is brought to you by our great sponsor at Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. Tell them Covey sent you. <laughs> so the Pac-12 and 12, some news headed straight out this past weekend. The ESPN analyst, Kurt Herstreet. Boop, whoop. <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Outtake number one. Herb Street. Oh, it's going to take 12 minutes just getting through the Kirk. Kirk Herbstreet picks Utah to win the South Division. Wait, what was his name? Thanks, Kirk, for picking us. We appreciate it. I mean, he has him losing to Washington, uh, but even just to get recognition of winning the South Division, uh, I think is is pretty neat because I, I think a lot of people are looking over Utah so far. Well, it goes back to what Jordan Wynn had to say as far as just the complete transformation of the program from going from uh, re- recruiting at a very different level in the Mountain West to what we are now how the programs evolved, the success, the type of players that we're getting, which has now led to the media response, the respect from the national media on Utah. And it's one thing to get picked in the preseason poll to say, hey, yeah, you're going to win your division. It's another thing to go out there and do it. And, you know, now is as important as ever to go out there and follow through and actually win it so that respect stays. I think we should contact Kirk and uh, tell him that if Washington beats Auburn, that week three game days at Utah. I bet he's got a voicemail. We should leave him one. <laughs> that would be actually pretty cool to have game day come back. It's always fun to have him. And other news out of USC, they, they're they going with the true freshman JT Daniels as their starting quarterback. Not much of a surprise. Not much of a surprise, but still, a, a true freshman, it, it, it's interesting. I did see... Uh, a former recruit by Utah, Jack Sears, is third, third, on the, third on the depth chart there. Well, w- one interesting thing, so Kyle Bonagura, who covers uh, the Pac-12 for ESPN, he tweeted out that uh, for Daniels to graduate, so he graduated a full year early. Right, because he should be entering his senior year of high school Cor- Correct, right and USC needed him, they wanted him, and obviously he wanted to come and uh, reclassify so they Matter Day High School had to create um, some online classes. They created over 11 classes in his final semester just for him. They created these for him just so that he could get what he needs to graduate on time. And, I mean, does that not smell like USC? Follow the money on that. That's that, all I have to yeah. say. Then I, I think there's more to that story than uh, Clay Helton would like to tell us. But, uh, yeah, not too surprising. I mean, by all accounts, he's a you know, phenom and uh, um, supposed to play the part. But pretty interesting path that UCL or USC helped create uh, to get him eligible for this year. He must be good if they did all that to bypass the two guys they have in the program. Oh, yeah. But 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 I think it also tells you they were not sold on Matt Fink or Jack Sears, um, which were the other two candidates, if he was not to be eligible. And uh, so I think they were pretty desperate. They were willing to do probably create 11 online classes. <laughs> and, and It'll uh, be interesting if this kind of sets a, a tone for college football if we see more of this. We're going to have some 14-year-olds starting college football here. I mean, we are seeing what middle-age, middle-school-age kids start getting offers. I mean, heck, yeah, I think there's been sixth graders that have gotten offers. So it will be interesting to kind of see if if this kind of makes a, a new avenue to get kids into college sooner. I'd like a full report. Who's paid for these 11 online classes? That's what Follow the money. Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get an opportunity to introduce ourselves to Mr. Daniels and uh, take him to senior prom in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, a full slate of games in the Pac-12 are kicking off this week. Just running down the list, we'll go real quick. San Diego State at Stanford, Colorado at Colorado State, Oregon State at Ohio State without Urban. Uh, Washington at Auburn. That's, That's a big probably one. the game of the week. Yeah. That's right huge there. because we need we need Washington to win that to keep that high ranking. 
for the conference and for when we upset them. And that is at a neutral site, so not a true home game for Auburn. Uh, Washington State's traveling to Laramie uh, to face the Wyoming Cowboys. What's the difference between Laramie and the Palouse? They might probably feel right at home. Oh. Satan. <laughs> uh, UNLV at USC. Bowling Green at Oregon. Uh, UT San Antonio at Arizona State. And BYU is taking on Arizona. A lot of uh, lightweight games going on outside of the Washington-Auburn game. Not... Uh, not a lot on the schedule that uh, is going to make for, I think, a lot of great football. The, I, I am interested to see the BYU-Arizona game. I want to see what Arizona brings to the table with a new coach and Khalil Tate and really against BYU's defense. I think that, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But, it will be uh, interesting to watch because, it, well, against BYU's defense, but I, I more specifically want I'm interested in BYU's offense with the new offensive coordinator because last year... Yeah, they don't have Ty freaking Detmer anymore. Last year, I mean, they had a couple of games where they scored 30 points or more. But other than that, it was like 13, 6, 10. It was, it was pretty bad it was year. It was bad. And so does this offense change that? And as we know, Arizona hasn't had a great defensive scheme the last couple of years. Their offense is what has kept them in their games. So it'll be interesting to watch both sides of the ball in that game. With BYU, it's going to come down to what type of talent do they have. I mean, I think getting a new scheme, and I think things are going to be get be better. A-Rod got a lot of flack at Utah, and a lot of it deserved was well-deserved. But uh, I actually think he's he'll do a lot better than what Ty Detmer did. And uh, with along with Grimes, I think you'll see you'll see some improvement. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to: Do you have the guys that can go out and make plays? I'm not familiar enough with BYU to to really know. But as you look over that roster, not a lot of names that you expect to be big time players. Uh, one game I think maybe kind of going under the radar: Oregon State uh, traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State, has, the urbanless I mean, Ohio State Buckeyes, with everything that's going on there, and kind of going against kind of a weaker P five opponent. I, I mean, I expect Ohio State to win. Don't get me wrong. It, it could get interesting if, if you think all that's going. I, I just think with what's going all around them, and having a lesser opponent in, they may just be overlooking them. Yeah, I think if anything, I think they go out and, and, do, and win it for Urban. I, I think you have that rallying. You know, the, the team is going to want to prove something. They're they're going to want to fight for their coach. Well, at least you would think they would. And Oregon State, well, they're no, abysmal. Don't they're get me abysmal. wrong. I, I'm not picking Oregon State to win by any means. Oh, I know, no, no. I'm, I'm just, just not even sure it's going to be a game. I don't. I don't think. It's I hope be it is a complete blowout. I, it might. It might be a little closer than what people expect. And and Oregon State is breaking in a new coaching staff. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting to seeing how how that goes uh, now that Gary Anderson is no longer there. The the game that kind of intrigues me is Colorado Colorado State. Colorado State was upset by Hawaii just uh, that was on, a weird on game. Saturday. Very weird. And I ex- I actually expected Colorado State to be a little bit better um, than that, but uh, I don't expect much from Colorado this year. So I actually I think this will be a good game to really see what Colorado's like and. Uh, what what type of uh, um, opponent they're going to be this year? Obviously, it's early in the season; a lot of things will change. But uh, I, I think that could be a good week one matchup. All right, and we can end um, the Pac twelve and twelve with doing um, three games that we pick. We've done this last couple seasons. It's always fun, especially at the end of the year when I am the champion oh, of please. this. Have like you won last yet? I won last season. No, you didn't. Yeah, he he did win last season, but it was his first win. So first game we're picking is Washington at Auburn. Uh, right now, I think Herb, Herb Street is calling that game. Auburn's favored by one and a half points. Scott, where are you going? I am gonna go. I, oof. I'm, I'm wanting Washington, but I'm gonna go Auburn. Ryan, uh, well, only one and a half. I know it's a neutral site, but only one and a half point favorite. I'm, I think I'm gonna go to Washington on that one. Yeah, I think this game's gonna be super, super close. I. I'll go with Auburn as well um, on that one. I, I I want Washington, but I'll go with Auburn. Uh, next game we're picking is BYU is traveling down to face the Arizona Wildcats. Scott? I actually hope for a good game on this one, but I, I think Arizona will uh, will win. Yeah, I'm going with Arizona. I don't think 
I don't think BYU's defense has the speed to even come close to touching Tate. I'm going to go with Arizona as well. They're an 11-point favorite right now. So I think the Wildcats bear down and get that win against the Cougars. Last game we're picking, rivalry game, Colorado State and Colorado. We've seen Colorado State, as uh, Scott mentioned, against Hawaii. You know, that uh, that Hawaii game scared me a little bit for Colorado State. So even though the hapless uh, Buffaloes I'm not a big fan of, I, I'm going to go with Colorado on this one. Go with the Buffs. So yeah, I'll go with, with the Colorado State Rams in that one. Um, the Colorado Buffs are favored by 7.5, but I really like Colorado State in that one. All right, so Utah faces Weber State this coming Thursday. I don't think it's going to be that close. I, don't, I mean, I I agree with, I mean, as we know, Jordan Wynn picked Utah to win eventually up <laughs> by 30-plus points. But If anybody picks Weber State, they're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I might pick him just so I don't have to talk to Scott I, again. I don't. <laughs> nice. I don't see. I know maybe Jordan Wynn was just playing nice coach talk when he said that Weber State's a good football team. Well, they are. They be, are. They are a good team. I, I mean, you, you saw what they did last year in the in the playoffs. The playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, and they're they, ranked eighth in the country. Right? They, they've lost some of their talent, um, but the Jay Hill is. He's created a pretty good program up there, but yeah, it's not on the same level. It's not even close to the same level. I mean, if if this game's close at halftime, we're in trouble (laughs) for the season. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but uh, I mean, I don't think we should be too overdramatic. We've seen plenty of openers where we we come out of the gates pretty sloppy, pretty choppy. And SUU comes to mind. And uh, you know, obviously, I think we'd love to be up thirty-eight, forty points at halftime. And just rest all the starters and get a good idea of the backups moving forward. That would send a pretty strong message that right out of the gates, mm-hmm. this offense is clicking. Guys know their assignments. They're executing. Whether we see that in game one, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some rough moments throughout oh, the first think, half. Yeah, I think the, there might be some rough moments just because it's the first game. But... I kind of go back to a few years ago when Rick McBride was coaching Weber State, and it's got that that friendship between Whittingham and McBride, and now it's Whittingham and Jay Hill. Maybe maybe Whittingham just doesn't throttle them because they're friends. Well, I mean, I'm expecting it to be very vanilla. I don't think Utah's going to show very much on film. I, I almost think this is almost like a dress rehearsal where it's just getting guys in and out, getting used to how things are run, especially for the new guys. So I'm not really expecting much. There are, I think, some interesting storylines going in. I mean, obviously the connection with Jay Hill, the head coach at Weber State, their new OC, Dave Schramm, was an OC and a position coach with Utah for a number of years, even recruited Jordan Wynn um, to come here. He even had a stint. He is, he is, I mean, if we're going trivia questions, he is one of the eight OCs in eight years. <laughs> Uh, so I did reach out to Bryant Hine. Uh, he writes for the Standard Examiner as uh, the beat writer for Weber State, and I asked him uh, how the offense is coming with Weber, and he, he said that you know Weber's feeling really confident right now. Maybe not realistic that they can beat Utah, but pretty confident going into a season and having high expectations. The offense is coming along uh, pretty well. It, it may kind of have some rough starts at the beginning of the season. And maybe we see that with Utah, uh, but he thinks over time it will become more of a well-oiled machine. So, I mean, it's it's a local team, so that kind of adds some fun to it, right, rather than bringing up like a northern Arizona or a North Dakota or something like that. So it is fun to kind of have a, a local team. And, and, I mean, I don't mean disrespect, but I don't really know that much about Weber. I've only seen him play once in the last couple of years, and I was in the playoffs, and I was in Aruba watching it on TV. <laughs> So I wasn't paying that no, much attention. I, I I hope they have a good season, and I hope Jay Hill continues to get the respect that he that he deserves because he's building a program up there. I mean, they were awful when he took over. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't see it, and I I hope it's not not a game um, by any means. But I do hope uh, that they go on to have a pretty good season, and you know, and and maybe even give Jay Hill an opportunity to to move up in uh, in the ranks a little bit and and get a job that uh, who knows he may be a potential. Uh, 
future head coach at Utah down the road uh, if he continues to develop. So there's no line on this game uh, because it's an FCF school. But let's go ahead and pick our our score for it. Scott, where are you going with the score? All right, obviously we got Utah on this. I'm I'm going to go with a uh, a score of 52 to 14. Ryan, you're not far off from my thinking, Scott. I'm going 55-7. I'm going to go Utah 42 to 10. Little conservative, are we? The start of the season. Who do you think's our OC? A Rod. <laughs> All right, so I think that will do it for us on this episode. Uh, we're extremely excited for the season to begin. We hope that it starts off on the right foot. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? All of you and the mayor can find me at Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. Scott? Yeah, I can be found uh, in a lot of places, but most importantly on social media, at Uteman underscore forever. And again, I'm very open to uh, any appointments, any lunches, any uh, meetings, any sit-downs with uh, Madame Mayor, and uh, looking forward to uh, some future negotiations. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can find a podcast. We're there. And you can also go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. ESPN analyst Kirk Herb Street. No, 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 no. The H is silent. <laughs> It's, it's just like you don't say. I got, I bought some herbs at the store it's today. Herbs. It's not Herb Street. <laughs> you Herb. say Kirk Herb Street. Okay. No, now you're telling me <laughs> Herb Street. It's Herb Street. So Ian, the T, the T's the one that's silent. <laughs> I, hate, I hate him. Herb Street. Herb Street. It's so the, it's the B that's silent. <laughs> So ESPN analyst Kirk Herstory. <laughs> I hate you guys. I hate you guys. Jeez. Kirk Herbstreet. There you go. I knew you could do it.